strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. We've got an update. The Twitter battle has begun. Someone asked me about how many, uh, when is a good guy with a gun ever saved a life or some other... Uh, comment. So I looked it up. Uh, I just started there 11 times that good guys with guns have stopped crimes. I don't want to get into that part of it. Let's start where I started with this. The update on what happened at Michigan State University yesterday where students were killed and others injured because a gunman on campus decided to shoot people that he apparently had no connection to. 43-year-old and his name is Anthony McCray. Let's start here. Um, he was arrested in Lansing, Michigan and charged in 2019, June of 2019 with carrying a concealed pistol without a concealed carry permit. The initial charge was a felony that carried a potential penalty of five years in prison. About 3 a.m. on June 7th, they found him where officers asked him if he had a weapon. He acknowledged he had a gun but didn't have a permit to carry it concealed. He also had a magazine in his right breast pocket, according to the documents. He advised that the handgun was registered to him. He bought it in late March at capital discount. He is currently trying to obtain a concealed weapons permit. In October of 2019, they added a second charge against this guy for possession of a loaded firearm in a vehicle, which is a misdemeanor. The same month of October 2019, McRae agreed to a plead guilty to a lesser misdemeanor charge, and it was dismissed. Uh, they dismissed the felony. The Ingram County Prosecutor's Office didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. He was sentenced in November of 2019 to 12 months probation. In October of 2020, six additional months were added to the probation, according to records. The addition was meant to allow him to complete the terms of his probation. Um, so he lives in a 900-square-foot home in the north side of Lansing, east of the Capitol, and now their people are talking about him. This is about a guy that is a lawbreaker and a justice system that slapped him on the wrist and turned him back out on the street with guns. You break the law. And you don't get prosecuted. They go to a lesser charge because it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And you end up here. This is not about firearms. This is about bad people that have firearms. We can argue this until the cows come home. You can argue about the laws in Michigan or in Illinois or in New York or in Washington, D.C., where they have the most strict gun laws in the country. L.A., L.A. County, the state of California, where not only do they have strict gun laws, they want to make them even more strict. Where do you where would you feel safer or don't you wouldn't you agree you're just as safe in Phoenix, Arizona, as you'd be in Chicago, New York City, Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle. This isn't about firearms. This should be about people. We should be mourning the deaths of people on this campus. We should be mourning those people. Instead, the gun control advocates, including the governor of Michigan, are coming out immediately saying this is about guns. We've got these horrible problems with guns, and it's guns, 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 guns. No, it's bad people that we do nothing about. It is bad people that we don't do anything about. We have laws that turn people loose on the streets. We're turning criminals loose on the streets, and we're telling innocent people, law-abiding citizens, that your right to protect yourself is going to be more and more limited and more and more challenging. I don't want gunfire in the streets. I don't want to get involved in a gunfight. I never have, and I never will. But I'm armed. I'm armed when I'm out. I'm armed in my home. I don't ever want to use them. Again, I'll, I'll give you the analogy I've used for years. 
I own a fire extinguisher. I'm not hoping I catch my kitchen on fire. And if my kitchen catches on fire, I'm going to call 911. But I'm not going to wait for the fire department and let it burn in the meantime. I'm going to do my best as a civilian to put that fire out until the professionals get there. And then I'll get out of the way and let them take over. And the same happens in a violent situation where somebody out there that doesn't care about my life or anybody else's life is threatening to take a life. Then I'm going to call 911 and I'm going to intervene until the professionals show up. And I'm not unreasonable. I'm not I'm not any different than 99.9% of the gun owners that are listening within the sound of my voice. My my frustration doesn't come from you wanting to take my guns away. My frustration comes that the people that believe that limiting access to firearms or outlawing some kind of firearms themselves, whether it's AR-15, that platform of rifle or otherwise, that they believe that that's an answer to the problem. It never has been and it never will be. Michigan has very strict gun laws. The governor of Michigan is on the record of saying that they want to make stricter gun laws. Look at Chicago and the gun laws in the city of Chicago. Why don't we have that conversation? Why is it that it has to become vitriolic? Why is it that you can't come up with an explanation? If Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the country, why do they have so many murders? Gun-related murders. And by the way, the vast majority of gun crimes, so to speak, and deaths at the hands of firearms are from handguns. They're not from rifles. These are sensational, and I don't mean that in a good way, they are sensational crimes. Now, in this, in this case, I don't know what kind of a firearm this guy used. He's always been caught with a handgun. Maybe it was a handgun. But again, more to the point, that handguns are where the vast majorities are happening. This is, again, someone that had given all signs to the government multiple times. He had violated gun possession laws, and yet they slap him on the wrist. He pleads to a lesser charge. He doesn't get a felony, and yet it's the guns that are the problem. No, it's this guy having a gun that was the problem, obviously, And this is where my frustration lies. I want this to end as badly as anybody else does. I have grandkids in the public school system here in Arizona. I don't want to see them in any kind of danger. But you are not going to end this by taking away guns from people. It is people out there, and I mean this respectfully, not as an insult, that are ignorant of guns themselves and gun owners and gun laws that largely are behind a movement. And they're ignorant because they don't – they hate guns or they are afraid of guns. So most of the time – not always – but most of the time, they don't know anything about a person that owns firearms legally – because you can't imagine why a good person would want a gun. I had a friend one time say I'd never have a gun in my house. I said, why not? You know, it just the idea of a gun is a, is a horrible idea. So you don't understand gun owners, and you probably have no clue on what the process is like to legally obtain a firearm. People hate the NRA. Now, I am not an advocate for the NRA. I, I don't have any connection to them other than to say this. All the things you want with gun safety and all the things you want with training that all of the gun control advocates advocate for, that's what the NRA does. 
Yes, they lobby the, for the Second Amendment in Washington. Yes, they're a powerful voice in Washington. But go and look what the NRA offers just to educate yourself as someone that doesn't like the NRA. Go to their website and look at the training they offer people. All of the training you say people should have before they own guns. It's the NRA that gives that training. There's an ignorance here because you just have a disdain for the firearms without looking at the reality. Coming up in a moment, First Lady Joe Biden was at um, uh, MCC, Mesa Community College, talking jobs and education. We'll get to it coming up here in just one moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. First Lady Jill Biden was in town, um, and she was at MCC at Mesa Community College. She's talking about colleges and jobs and how important community colleges are. I want you to hear a little bit of what the First Lady had to say. Across the country, we're seeing programs like just like this one, bridging the gap between what students learn and the careers that they will eventually find. So when she talked about the relationship here between an education and the education pipeline, I agree with her wholeheartedly. The world is changing and it always has. One of the problems that I, I deal with in watching this is that we haven't seen education change as rapidly, but I think that it is. Um, I want to give some credit, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to the other uh, major universities here in Arizona when I talk about ASU. I'm not, I'm certainly not, I'm not a Sun Devil. I'm a Miami Hurricane. But when you talk about innovation and change, I'm a lot more familiar with Dr. Crow and what he's done at ASU versus the other universities, NAU or U of A. Um, and NA, or I'm sorry, ASU has really transformed its reputation over the last 25 or years or so, and they are always number one in innovation. Now, everything has its issues. I'm certainly never been someone that is an activist against um, higher education. I think it's wonderful. I, one of the um, things in my life that I'm most disappointed in myself, one of my regrets is that I don't have a college degree. Um, I do regret that because um, although I would say I study and I would put my knowledge up against anyone else, there is something to be said for having the discipline to do the coursework to earn that piece of paper. It does show a lot to have that degree, and it's valuable in many cases. But the world is changing, and it may change back, but there was a time when a college degree of any kind was your ticket to success and certainly your ticket to job security throughout your life. If you had a degree from a from a place, and it pains me to say this, like Notre Dame or one of the Ivy League schools, you could write your ticket of success for the rest of your life. It isn't that way anymore. And it's just the way the world is. As a matter of fact, there are more and more corporations that are waiving their uh, requirement of a four-year degree because of the necessity of hiring people. There are more and more people looking at certificates of completion and getting a skill set, whether it's in the tech world, whether it's in coding, or it's in the classic trades. I talk about my relationship with the CTEDs out in the West Valley. Is, West Valley is Westmec, and the East Valley is EVIT, the East Valley Institute of Technology. And when you look at what they do, they are called CTEDs, Career Education Districts. And they are taking – and I think this is where the change in high school should come. This is, again, just my personal opinion. Is in high school, we focus so much 
on everybody goes to college. Your career counselor in high school, whatever you call them now, your counselor, your advisor in high school that you get when you're young and you sit down and you talk with them, it is driven toward getting college degrees. It is driven towards getting scholarships and grants. That is the focus. And for a long time, that was success. That's what built success was getting into a college. Whether you went to a community college for a couple of years and then transferred to university, that was your ticket to success. If we really want to keep up with the needs of the world, we're going to talk to kids at a much younger age, sophomores in high school, and say to them, maybe you want to take a look at going into a different career. Why aren't you looking at these CTEDs? Why aren't you looking at the EVITs of the world? Why aren't you looking at these other options? You know that there are kids that are leaving these CTEDs. They're going, let's, uh, let's just take a program like welding. There are high school kids that spend two years in a program at a CTED where they are going to high school during the day and in the afternoons they are going to EVIT or they're going to Westmec and they're going through a welding program where professional welders are teaching them. These are people that are in the industry that most of them business owners in the industry. They get them into the pipeline for hiring and these kids are leaving with a real skill at 18 years old that is in high demand which gives them lifelong security in an industry and they're making upwards of like seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year. Journeyman electrician, my old trade. Journeyman electrician are making eighty grand a year right now, seventy grand a year, plus benefits. I mean, you are instantly middle class. It takes four years of an apprenticeship and passing a test to become a a journeyman electrician. Four years, just like a four-year degree. How many kids that are going to a university with a four-year degree in business or otherwise get out of college and walk into a $70,000 a year career? How many? And if they do, what's their level of debt? So again, I'm not saying it's you do one or the other. It's there are some people that are suited for a career path, at least in the early days of their life. I'm 55 years old and I am figuring out a way this year to go back to school. I either want to get a poli science degree or an American history degree. I just don't know how or where I'm going to find the time to do it. But it's becoming more and more of a priority to me at 55 years old. It wasn't at 18. And we have so many options out there and so many needs. There is a headline that I printed out, and it says, uh, this is an NPR story. High-paying jobs that don't need a college degree. Thousands of them are sitting empty. We are limiting what we call success. And it's time we change that. I'm not in disagreement with the first lady on this. Not at all. I'm not disagreeing with her. I'm saying the options are out there. And as our schools, as our high schools, we should be adapting to those changes in needs. And there are some kids that we should allow them to direct their path toward a career and the others to higher education. It balances our society. It fills needs in the market. And it sets people up for the success they're ready for. And I really hope we start doing it. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about, I never thought I'd utter this phrase, the new UFO task force. We talk about it next.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. Happy Valentine's Day. If that scares you because you forgot, well, you're in trouble. But um, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Statehood Day. We are 111 years old as a state today. That's a a great number. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about some of these things. And actually a warning about Valentine's Day from the Attorney General of Arizona. That should be interesting. That happens in a few moments. Um, More mysterious objects are being shot out of the sky. People are saying that they think that they're probably weather balloons. They don't seem to see the first, the, the first balloon or the first one that was shot down over the Atlantic Ocean was, uh, one that had the, had more capabilities. It was about the size of a bus or two, something like that. It had the capability of steering and had intelligence gathering possibilities. Um, so it was different. They're saying these other objects. And now the reason why they say they're shooting them down is because they are in the airspace with, uh, commercial air traffic and they're, they pose a danger. I don't know. Again, I don't want to be someone that's just critical because the administration in office is opposite of my political leanings. I think that's an easy thing to do is just criticize people you disagree with. But there are important – when you have the importance of the job with a, with a job like the presidency, you are the face of the American people. You are also – a face of kind of the allied world. And when you make decisions like this, they're very important. It was one of the criticisms of our previous president was that he didn't act presidential. There were a lot of people that said getting on Twitter and fighting with people and saying things the way that you said them was not presidential. And that was a real argument from people that disagreed with that administration. It was a lot less about per- policy and a lot more about personality. But the, the it all rings true with which is the decisions you make as president of the United States reflect on the American people. And so there is a lot of responsibility here. If you're going to start shooting things out of the sky and you don't know what they are, um, that is a, that's a scary thing to the world. And I want you to, again, try to – the best way to do these things, and I try to make myself do it more often because I'm like everybody else, knee-jerk reaction based on my beliefs and based on what I'm seeing and hearing. But try to put yourself in the rest of the world's shoes. If right now we found out that a couple of weeks ago there was a U.S. balloon that was in Chinese airspace and it traversed a part of China and they waited until it got over water and they shot it down and they were telling the world that it had spy capabilities and we said, hey, that's our balloon. We want our balloon back. How would you feel about that? That Just put yourself in those shoes. And then over the course of the next week or so, the Chinese used their air force to shoot things out of the sky. Now there's been three or four incidents of things being shot out of the sky. You would be thinking to yourself, what if it was Kim Jong-un? What if it was the Iranians? We would be considering that not necessarily an act of war, but these people are unhinged. Especially when our own government is telling us that we don't know exactly what these things are. As Americans, we have a healthy suspicion of our government. And when the government is shooting things out of the sky and admitting they don't know what they are, we all should be concerned about that. Let's take it down to another level. What if it was you? You're in your backyard and there's a drone in your backyard. So you shoot it out of the sky. You don't know whose it is. You just didn't want it looking into your backyard. What would happen? They are saying they don't believe they pose a military threat. They're also saying that these latest objects are not objects that have the capabilities of surveillance. Now, I don't know if any of that's true. 
but I'm saying we should be treading lightly. Now we have um, a UFO task force. And the White House is defending the shooting down of these things, but they're also saying that there's this UFO task force. I will tell you that I believe uh, as mystery objects get shot down, U.S. sets up new task force on UFOs. Um, The new group created at the behest of the National Security uh, Advisor. Uh, uh, Jake Sullivan would comprise elements of the Pentagon, the Federal Aviation Administration, Department of Homeland Security, and other government agencies in the U.S. They would look at the broader policy implications of objects for detection, analysis, and disposition. I can't believe that we don't have something like this. Now, when you say UFOs, technically that's what it is. It's an unidentified flying object. We haven't identified exactly what it is. So by technically, it's a UFO. But do we really believe when it uh, there are those that believe that it could be extraterrestrial? You hear a lot more now from fighter pilots and commercial pilots that have come in contact with things that they can't explain that are flying much too fast and making turns and making direction changes that they can't explain more and more and more. Does anybody really believe that there isn't a task force already out there that the government is watching a lot of these things and checking on them? Of course they are. And we would be we would consider them to be irresponsible if they weren't. With everything that's happened, when we you know, when you and I when I don't know about you, but when I hear people talk about UFOs and extraterrestrials, I think of Area fifty one. I think of those kinds of things. The government has got to be looking at airspace. There is a constant intelligence war that goes on around the world. We spy on everybody, even our allies, and everybody tries to spy on us. Militarily, for decades, the United States has been known as the world's superpower. Better weaponry than anybody else in the world. What has leveled the playing field in the last 15 years, certainly 15 years, if not a little bit longer, has been technology and the ability of cyber warfare. We have people in our government that said we're behind the curve. And you know that there are people in our government behind the scenes that are shoring that up so that we are better equipped to fight a cyber war. And the same thing here. If we knew and when we find out through intelligence gathering and spying, let's call it what it is, spying, that China has a balloon program where they're at high altitudes and they're surveilling through technology and through equipment. They are surveilling key places in the U.S. And they're going largely undetected because of this program. We're going to have a counter program. And the same goes for the Chinese and goes for the Russians and the Iranians and all of the allies, the North Koreans. They are always going to be doing what they can to a catch the American spies and then also get information so that they can have a counterattack or a counter piece of equipment to anything that we have to offer. That's what these countries do. Peace through strength. So I'm anxious to see how this all ends up playing out. In a moment, it's not just Valentine's Day in Arizona, it's Statehood Day, but also a Valentine's Day warning from our Attorney General. The fact that this is necessary is sad. We'll talk about what it is coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. There's a warm breeze blowing. Take it away. 
away. So this is a guy named Brett Bowden. He is from Mesa High School, a native of Arizona. He wrote this song about the state he grew up in. I thought it was an appropriate time to play it as a statehood day here in the state of Arizona. You can check it out on YouTube. Now, I don't know Brett. Brent, but it is a cool song, and it, it typifies kind of Arizona. I fell in love with Arizona in 1992 when I came out here the first time on vacation, and the longer I've been here, the more I love this place. We're 111 years old. I was uh, privileged to be a part of the centennial um, and some of the festivities in the centennial for statehood, um, and I, anytime I see uh, someone that it loves this place as much as I do, that that song is very well done. His name is Brent Bowden, if you want to check it out. Today's the statehood day in Arizona. It's a pretty good day to celebrate our statehood. And so uh, thanks to Brent for letting us use this song on the air this morning. Um, I want to talk about statehood day because uh, I'm a big states rights advocate. I really am. I think that um, – and again, I, you, we can never put our, our – uh, we can't put our minds in the minds of other people, but we can try. We can assume we can make some assumptions, and I may be completely wrong, but based on everything I've seen, our founding fathers wanted to make sure that the states had the power, that we were 50 states that had a federal government and not the other way around. We have abdicated so much of the power of the states to the federal government and taxation and rules that are attached to the money that come back, and so it isn't just Republican-Democrat. I just think as states we have a right to run ourselves the way we want. You know, I, I, we, we goof on California being from Arizona and vice versa, but California has a right to be a, a sanctuary state if they want to be. They can protect abortion in their constitution if they want to. They can have strict gun laws if they want to as long as they don't violate the Second Amendment. They can do all of these things and they can set themselves up and in their mind be in a utopian society. And Arizona has a right to forge its path the way it wants to as well. When you go to Europe, and I've had the privilege to go a couple of times now and I want to go back more and more, it's interesting to see how small those countries are they're about the size of states. But throughout the centuries of their existence, going back much longer than this has been a country, they've maintained their individuality. When you go to Italy, they speak Italian. They have their own government style and their own culture. It's different from France. It's different from you know Belgium and Luxembourg and all these places around them that have maintained uh, their, their anonymity. But they work together, and that I believe we have to be more of that. That's just my opinion. Arizona is such a unique place with unique people. Even the people I disagree with, I respect. We're passionate about what we believe. We're accepting of people. We just shined for the Super Bowl. We are just such a great place. And I'm just I'm proud to live here. And so uh, celebrating the centennial, uh, celebrating statehood means a lot to me here. I, I grew up, I, I have mentioned so many times, I grew up in southwest Florida. I could never tell you what statehood day in Florida was. And I love Florida, where I grew up. I love the place I grew up. But there is something here, the patriotism for being from Arizona. The only other place I've ever seen it the same, and maybe I'm wrong, but the only place I've ever seen it the same is in Texas. If you're not born in Texas, you're not a Texan. It doesn't matter. And they had take great pride in that Lone Star. But if you look at Arizona and the natives that are here and the generations, there is a sense of pride, and it should be. And that's the issue for me, is we should, I think, as individuals, and we, we should wrestle with each other, argue in our state, but then take pride that we're forging our own path. I want you to hear very quick, this is the, I'm going to shift gears, the Attorney General, Chris Mays, and a warning for Valentine's Day. Scammers can be very quick to profess their love. They you know, might have a profile that contains vague information. They might be a scammer, often asked for money. 
<laughs> this is a Valentine's Day warning. And here she goes on. Places like Facebook and Instagram and dating apps. And this is sort of how people meet people. And obviously everybody wants to, to fall in love. The Valentine's Day, this is KTAR.com. Uh, the Attorney General wants residents to be aware of potential online romance scams. They are also known as confidence schemes or confidence frauds. 650 Arizona victims in 2021 for over $20.9 million. You know, they say a fool and his money are soon parted. And I don't want to be uh, cav- I don't want to be trite. I don't want to make fun of people. But if you've never met somebody, if you've struck up a report and relationship with somebody online and you're sending them money, stop it right now. You've never met them in person and you're sending them cash, investing in their companies or otherwise. I'm encouraging everyone in Arizona to never be afraid to file a complaint if you've been scammed. This is the other part of this that the scammers prey upon is they understand that when a person figures out they've been scammed in the name of love and they've fallen for one of these internet scams, they don't report it sometimes because they're embarrassed. They don't want their families to find out, you know, they're, you know, uh, it's they, just it's horrible. But you have people right now online that are so uh, desperate's the wrong word, but so uh um They desire a relationship so much that they're falling in love with someone they've never met and then sending them money. It's it's sad on Valentine's Day, which is supposed to be a romantic day, professing your love to the person, your soulmate. We're talking to people about don't send money over social media. When you meet somebody, don't send them money. It's sad. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, we're going to talk about the Consumer Price Index, an interview this morning with Kristen Bentz, our local advisor, and what she believes this all means. It's coming up next.